You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Hey everyone, welcome to American Sex, a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and alternative sexual expression by challenging the puritanical backward-ass ideals in the United States. This is episode 75 of American Sex Podcast. I'm Sunny Megatron, and my co-host is Ken Melvoin-Berg. We're sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, and kinky perverts. So let me tell you, American fuckers, life has been hard. If you've been keeping up with the epic saga of the Megatron Berg household, we finally made it to Vegas. We moved here from Chicago. The kids and my 91-year-old uncle George arrived last week, so our household is 100% complete. Well, as far as people go. I've been here for a week, and it has been nonstop unpacking, you know, registering the kid for school and then finding out she doesn't have all her immunizations, having run to the doctor and finding a place to get a shot and ugh, all this stuff and taking care of my 91 year old uncle, which love him to pieces, but it's a little bit more work than we anticipated. And of course, Ken and I also got what's lovingly called the AVN flu after attending the AVN porn convention last week. So long story short, it has been a whirlwind and we are absolutely 110% exhausted. We're, in fact, we're so exhausted, we actually toyed with not publishing an episode this week because we are so spread thin. But you know what? We love you and we didn't want to do that. So ta-da, I'm here. And this, though, will be a Kenless episode, but no worries. You will hear from him again soon. So this week, we decided to give you a little peek into what goes on over on Patreon, where we publish our bonus episodes. The interview you're going to hear this week is a conversation between Dirty Lola and myself. So our Patreon-only bonus episodes are called Shoot the Shit Episodes. Our Shoot the Shit Episodes are freeform conversations with absolutely no agenda. Sometimes they end up being about sex-related topics, and sometimes not at all. It all depends on where the conversation organically goes. And in these episodes, we laugh, we cry, sometimes we're silly, sometimes we're serious. We never know quite the direction that the conversation will go in when we start, you know, but every damn time it ends up being so damn good. You'll be hearing an excerpt from our Shoot the Shit bonus episode five with Dirty Lola. And now what you're going to hear is actually about 75% of the full bonus episode. Lola and I start out talking about the Surviving R. Kelly docuseries, and it ends up evolving into a really insightful conversation that actually taught me a lot. So yeah, we're all shocked with the R. Kelly situation. But wait a minute. We act so shocked, but remember back in high school when it was so cool to date a college-age person? And remember, even the parents and adults in our lives didn't really bat an eye when we dated someone that was legally considered an adult when we still weren't. So Lola and I break down this complicated situation by reflecting through our own experiences. Some of the other things we touched on in this episode, hitting puberty early the over-sexualization of girls of color, how being sexually objectified as a teen shapes your sexuality, uh, Mary Kay Letourneau, the negative impacts of marrying young, the cultural normalization of teens dating adults, equating sex with love, 
why people stay in abusive situations and a whole lot more. And if you're like, well, wait a minute, who who the heck is Dirty Lola again? Well, she's a repeat American sex podcast guest appearing in episode six titled Why Your Dick Should Care About Social Justice. And she was also in episode 69 talking about why the 69 sex position is a sneaky tool of the patriarchy. Lola is also a performer, edutainer, sex educator, and the creator and host of the live sex Q&A variety show and podcast, Sex Ed A Go-Go. During the last six years, she shared her distinctive brand of kick-ass body and sex positivity and her personal journey into the kink and poly lifestyles, both on and off the stage. And if you want to learn more about Dirty Lola, I've listed all of her links in the show notes for episode 75 at americansexpodcast.com. Before we get to our interview, you know what time it is. It's big welcome and heartfelt appreciation time to the new members of our Patreon family. I want to give a big welcome and our heartfelt appreciation to the awesome folks that joined our Patreon family over the last few weeks. So thanks to Aaron Lynn, Heather, Stephen, and Laura. We could not do this podcast without your support. And hey, listeners, if you're not an American Sex Podcast Patreon member, of course, we'd love for you to be. Not only does your membership help support this show, you get lots of awesome perks too, like bonus stories from our guests, extra episodes like the one you'll be hearing in just a few minutes, American Sex Podcast stickers, a personal video greeting, random surprises in the mail, and more. In fact, Another Shoot the Ship bonus episode went up this week with Allison Moon of Girl Sex 101 and Artgasm podcast fame. In that episode, we talk about uncovering trauma we didn't even know we had, finding a good therapist, how to conquer our unhealthy, dysfunctional relationship with money, and a bunch more. You can get it all at patreon.com slash American Sex. And one last thing before we get on to Dirty Lola. We talk quite a bit on American Sex Podcast about online censorship of sex and sex-related topics. Social media has been cracking down and removing people like us that talk about sex in any way, shape, or form. I highly encourage you to get on our mailing list so we don't lose touch in the event of a censorship crackdown. If you have your phone handy, you can sign up for our newsletter right now. Simply text the word Megatron, M-E-G-A-T-R-O-N, to the number 444-999, and you're in. You can also do it on the web by visiting SunnyMegatron.com slash newsletter. And as always, if you missed any of the links that I just gave you or any other thing that we talked about in this episode, hop on over to americansexpodcast.com and check out our show notes for episode 75. Are you ready? You ready to shoot the shit? Here's Dirty Lola and I shooting the shit. Patreon.com slash americansex. Just a couple days ago or yesterday, maybe, or the day before, something like that, you had a Facebook post up. And it's the whole, like, the R. Kelly thing and the whole, um, you know, like, us as teenagers getting hit on by grown men fucking constantly. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know. Like, it seems like most people that are talking about it are like, oh, yeah, I got hit on all the fucking time. Or, you know, the cool girls at my school were the 14-year-olds that lived with their 22-year-old boyfriends. Like, seriously. You know, their moms let them live with their 20-something-year-old boyfriends. Yeah. yeah. And it was like... <laughs> 
nothing was wrong with that. Like nobody batted an eye. No, you know, I dated the 22 year old when I was 16 and I was the cool, like it was like a status, you know? And I don't know. It's like people are appalled about all the, the stories that are hitting the news, you know, R. Kelly and there's a bunch of other people and there's Ben, like the dudes from Led Zeppelin and Woody Allen. And I mean, the list goes on and on and on. It's been happening for forever. And it seems like when, these things come up people just act fucking shocked like oh they are children they are but i'm like yeah i can guarantee probably 80 percent of you when you were in high school wanted to be that 15 year old in your class that had the 21 year old boyfriend and you thought it was Mm -hmm. cool so it's like i don't know it's a whole deeper cultural thing it's kind of it's I so, don't know if hypocritical is the right word, but it's like, you know, we act shocked like, oh, how could this be right. a thing? It's like, it's a thing. And we all made it be a thing. Even you acting shocked there. And we need to figure out how to not make it a fucking thing because it's not right. Cool. And, you know, and I, I, don't think, know. I think it becomes a thing. Like, I know for me, I I oscillate. It's so in, ingrained and in like, this is a thing that happens. And also that we're to blame because we get titties really early or, you know, our, we look real good with our hair straight, you know, as a little black girl, that was always a thing to like, not have to have your hair in braids. And when you got to wear your hair out and, you know, it was straightened out and it would always make you look older because everybody would always see you in like plaits and bows. And then you weren't. Oh, yeah. And immediately it's like, you're fast because you want to paint your nails and all those things. And that stuff has always been equated with, growing up too soon or being slutty or whatever, even when you're little that you start getting that in your head that like, okay, well this is a thing. But then when people respond to that, it becomes, well, like, so I'm clearly doing this. It's, it's like in your head, like, Oh, I'm the one controlling this When Really? We were never the ones controlling that. Like that's not our fault. And, and it's not in our control you know, people just have to be fucking better. But I think the thing that really threw me for a loop, not even for a loop, but put me in this kind of deep thinking on this whole, you know, thing of the older, and I won't just say older men, because they're women who are also predators. You know, we have, um, right. what's oh, your yeah. name? Mary Jo. The d- yeah, the yeah the, oh, I just saw a documentary on them. The the te- for for those of you who are like, it was the teacher that Mary Kay Letourneau. She was what like the teacher, and he was in sixth grade. <laughs> yes. yes, that's her. Yeah, yeah. and like he still to this day looks like he is at a loss. Like even as an adult now, <sighs> when you see yes. him in interviews, you it looks like he just doesn't know how to yeah. really. Like, I don't know. I just see it in his face that it was like, yeah, sure. I was turned on by this older woman. But like, is this the life I wanted? Right. But you were the adult. And is this the life I wanted to live? And I think I watched an inner or documentary with them very recently. Like someone put it up on YouTube. And there were a couple really uncomfortable moments. First of all, she's very like her personality is very kind of loopy, like la da da. Mm-hmm. Like she kind of doesn't make sense anyway. And 
there were a couple moments there where I don't know, she would turn to him and say, Oh, yeah, right, honey. And he would just look at her. and He'd be like, No, I was a child. Mm -hmm. You were the adult. And he basically said that a few times. And I was like, Wow, this is really uncomfortable. Like, what is the rest of their I mean, and it's like, why am I speculating what the rest of their relationship is like the relationship shouldn't be but I don't know just it's it's fucked up on so many levels. levels. But then yeah. there was like when David Bowie died and mm. the I don't want to call her a groupie but that's I guess she was also calling herself that had come forward and said like he took her virginity and she was like I did this I approached him I was the one like it was consenting he didn't do anything to me and I remember reading a thread from all these other women who were like who are who are, is anyone to tell us how we should use our bodies? And I remember thinking, right. like, you're fucking right, though. Like, at what age do the rights to our bodies get turned over to us and do we get to make decisions? And I battled yeah. with that for a very long time. And what I came to is that, you know, you can have body autonomy it, and and make your own decisions. The thing is, is that the other party should still turn you down. It doesn't matter what you want. You're a child. You can want it. You can pursue it. But a grown man, a grown man should not be sleeping with anybody under 18. Like, you can't vote. You can't drive. Well, you can drive. You can't vote until you're 18. You can't rent a car until you're fucking 25. (laughs) Like, There's so many things. You can't buy alcohol until you're 21. So why is it that we are like, oh, you, you know, you've gone through puberty, you got your period, you've got boobs, you have, you have pubes, sex is okay. And I think that that's the difference is that, of course, we should allow young people to lust and want and express. The difference is, is that those older than them and those of an adult age really have to be the ones that say, no, I'm sorry, I can't do this. Yeah. And that's the difference. And, yeah. it's, it's like, and I wholeheartedly believe that because I know a lot of my sexual stuff is super skewed because of the way I was approached at such a young age. Like the things I put value in, like as far as appearance mm-hmm. and how I look and all those things. And like for a long time that it it took me a while to like stop making that be a thing that I have value in other ways. Yeah. And it's so, yeah, it's a a tough thing, but it, it just does come down to like, we have to stop sexualizing everything when it comes to kids, like high heels and funeral polish doesn't mean isn't sexy. Like we have to stop that. Like it's a thing. It's a, it's a milestone maybe, or it's, it's just a part of fashion, but it doesn't have to be like your signal. (laughs) <laughs> like you get to throw your hat in the right. Ring. Like I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready. Thirty three year old pervy man. Yeah. Like, or even, yeah, yeah. You know, like all the Stranger Things kids. So many adults like can't wait till they're eighteen, including women. Like, yeah. And like, Why would you ever say? I can't, I just I don't understand how, as an adult, you could ever say like, oh, can't wait till that one's of legal age. <sighs> And not feel really fucking creepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I, I don't know. And I think like, you know, it's not to say, like you were saying, teenagers having bod- bodily autonomy. 
I think that's important and they should. And if they feel like they're ready to have sex, that's a decision they make, but they usually make it with people their own age and more on their, you know, where there's not as much of a power mm-hmm. differential there. And, you know, and a lot of people are like, oh, come on, what really is the power differential between, you know, a 16 and a half year old girl and a 21 year old college? A fucking lot. A lot. Like a whole lot. Yeah. It's it's also like where you are in your life, what the things you want out of life. Like I had a 24 year old boyfriend when I was 17, um, 17 mm-hmm. turning into 18. And to me, he was young, but that's an adult. You know, he's an adult, like he could almost rent a car. Yeah, he's an adult. And he's the person who took my virginity. But I broke up with him because he started talking to me about getting married after I graduated from high school. He's like, Mm -hmm. maybe you can do like a year or two of college, then we'll like get engaged. And, you know, like, maybe we'll get and I'm just like, I'm, I'm 18. Dude, I haven't even experienced life. I don't want to marry you. And like, I had the wherewithal to like say that out loud and like understand. Amen. I didn't. Right. And a lot of people don't. Yeah. And then you end up, I mean, even at 24, when, when I got engaged, I didn't know who the fuck I was yet. And. And what I wanted to do. I was nowhere near the person I am now. I wasn't even in this on this career tract. I didn't even know this was something I wanted to do or something I wanted to be someone I wanted to be. I sexually had not explored as much as I should have because we met when I was like 19 and were friends and then started dating when I was 20 and a half. And then I moved in. Him with him when I was 20 and a half and we were together until where we're not like we're getting divorced this year. So like, that's a big chunk of your life. And like my thirties was spent, my twenties were spent in a committed relationship with one person. Yeah. That's when people are dating. That's when people are like, yeah, about their shit and who they are. So imagine the loss you feel when you come out of being in something like that. Like for me, I got, we, we, opened up our relationship and at the beginning of my thirties. And so I kind of got to relive or live what I missed out on in my twenties with dating and and kind of learning about me. But imagine if you were even younger and you didn't even make it to like that threshold of where you're really dating and really heavily. Well, like, I mean, I started dating my first part. I had two partners that like were kind of like husbands, you know, but we had kids together. The first one was 11 years. The second one was eight years. I started dating the uh, first one like two months before my 18th birthday. So I was 18 or 17 and all the way through until that was more than 11 years because I was turning 30, I think. Mm. Yeah, I was like 29 or whatever when we broke up. And I immediately, like, this was the worst, just like rebound, freak out, like immediately started dating somebody else. And like, he looked at me and I got pregnant. And then that went on until I was 35. My math is off somewhere, like mid 30s, 36, something like that. And I just, that's when I started. That's when I first dated. And I was like, holy motherfucking shit, I missed everything. 
And like, we weren't open relation. I tried to be open relationship with my first one. He was like, what? Like he freaked out. The second one was like way too abusive and possessive to even like there, that wasn't even a thought, you know, but yeah. 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 It's, it's so much. And it's, I think, and this is speaking as like adults, like I was an adult and, and there's things that I feel like people need to go through or should go through. I won't say need, but to figure things out, like, we grow and we change and who you are when you're 15 isn't who you're going to be when you're 20 isn't who you're going to be when you're 25. And it's not an easy thing to find somebody who can grow with you through those stages. So we're talking about a man, like let's look at R. Kelly. Aaliyah was 15. And the thing is, is I remember (laughs) reading Bop magazine. That's how old I am. I am Uh Tiger beat, beat Bop years old. Um, Yeah. And, they had that picture that's been going around with the two of them sitting next to each other and they're like outside on a pier. That was a picture in the magazine for teenagers talking about their relationship. And yeah, he, like it was like, like oh, it cool. Was normal. Like it was fine. And then I remember it got real quiet and they stopped really talking about it. And then all of a sudden it was like it never happened and it got swept under the rug hardcore. Yeah. And, and I remember that, but being so young and you're like, okay. And I remember even as a kid, like kind of like giving it the side eye, but also being like, well, you know, okay. Because we were yeah. so conditioned that it's like, if you're a girl who's blossomed and then this should be expected. Yeah. I mean, look at fucking Elvis and Priscilla Presley. Right. You know, what was she, 14? She was, and that was, she was 14. way before our time. Yeah. She was 14. And I think they didn't get married until she was legal. But like they were dating. He was flying her out to Vegas and partying and doing stuff with her up until she was legal. Mm-hmm. Legal enough for him to marry yeah. her. And her parents and it's, allowed it's so it. It's so romanticized. Yeah, it's so romantic. Like, I knew plenty of parents that, you know, like I said, I had a friend who was 14 whose parents let her live with her 22 year old boyfriend. Oh. And it was like, cool. And then everyone's like, she's fucking cool. Wow, we can go over to her house and party. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like my first older person, I was 14 and he was 20, 22 or 24. He was older. And we made out at one of my mother's parties or my mother's friends parties, but they were out partying and we were like making like making the fuck out. Her friend saw it. Nobody cared. It was like we were making out all fucking night. And then like, you know, and and it wasn't like, oh, I'm some pervy guy who wants to make out with you and then I'm never going to talk to you. again. He was like, I want to date you. Let's exchange phone numbers. And I was like, cool. Oh, wow. He's so cool. Blah, blah, blah. And. Then my mother was like, wait a minute. Like, how old is he? Mm, fuck that. You know, and she got the phone before I did and was like, never call here again. I was like, fuck. But then two years later, I was dating a 22 year old and she was like, cool. He's got a Jeep. That's fancy. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> so I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I just think it's, it's like a cultural thing we're all conditioned to think is not only okay, but to romanticize. Right. Right. You know, whether we're, we're girls with older boys or boys with older girls, cause it's the Mrs. Robinson. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Guide me through life. My sexuality. Yeah. I mean, look at, 
clueless, Cher Horowitz was like 15, 16, and her stepbrother, who, was, who she ended up dating at the end of the movie, was a junior in college. Oh, right? yeah. Like, so. Yeah. We, we're always putting people like on movies and things and just life. But the thing is, is that I think people forget that they apply all this stuff to like, oh, you're too young to drink because you can't make good choices. You're too young to smoke pot because like, you know, your brain isn't finishing fully forming until what you're like 24, 20, like 25, 26, your frontal lobe is not. And every time my kids are like, you know, acting just fucked up for whatever reason i not only remind myself like frontal lobe not done cooking yet they can't help <laughs> it cooking. you know and i even tell them i'm like okay the reason you're feeling this way is because it's hard for you to rationalize this because you're more focused on yourself and blah 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 because of your frontal lobe it's not you it's your frontal lobe i get it you know and they're like okay it's my frontal lobe, my fucking frontal lobe you know <laughs> <laughs> But it's true. So, yeah, we talk about the frontal lobe a lot in our household. And I don't get why we don't. It's why it's in the same breath. People can't apply those same guidelines to sex and sexuality. And I saw a post from someone today um, where this it was on Instagram. This woman had written out her whole story and she wrote about being 15, 16 and having a 24 year old boyfriend and how she he quote in quotes loved her and in quotes protected her and she was in in quotes in love with him and they had sex all the time every day like all this stuff and they were together for like a year and then one day his wife called her (gasps) to say say, send my husband home i'm in labor and it came crashing down around her that like this man who she thought was like her everything was a married man with a child with a wife and a child on the way and she was like the the fucked up thing is we raise girls to think that sex equal love we tell people you only have people who have who love each other have sex that that's who has love and so when that's why so many of these girls including myself equate sex with love because that's what we're told we're told sex happens when you're in love so when you're getting the sex you're like oh he must love me and then people go, well, why do you yeah. think that? Because that's what the fuck you tell us. Exactly. That is what you're telling I mean, us. that fucked me up. That fucked me up. You know, and I think to myself, like, you know, if I, what they say, youth is wasted on the young. If I could go back to those years with the brain I have now and the knowledge I have now and knowing that, like, you can have sex and you can feel really good and you can have, like, that energy, like, that new relationship energy, like, oh, I'm feeling all the butterflies and the infection that just fucking enjoy it it doesn't mean like oh that means we must move in together now and have babies and buy a station wagon and get a collie like Mm -hmm. that doesn't equate to that and that took me so long to figure out that you can have that nice warm and fuzzy great feeling whether it's sex or whether it's more of kind of a romantic you know just good feeling and it it doesn't have to mean so that means and then like there doesn't have to be an and then right Right, exactly. Like it's just, it's just such a messy thing. It's messy. It's, it's such a deep rooted thing. And I think the thing for me that's most disappointing in all of this is how much explaining we've all had to do. It's that 
the day I made that post, the fact that the thing people started doing was sharing their stories and that everybody had a story. Oh, yeah. And that every story in some way seemed really fucking similar. And it wasn't all like, oh, I was dating. It was just like I was outside playing and this is what happened to me every day outside playing or walking to the store or like all these things. And I remember like uh, not having boyfriends through throughout like elementary you know in middle school when everybody has like a little boyfriend I never had boyfriends and I didn't really start having any kind of boyfriend contact until I moved to New York where suddenly boys were into me but not at the level that boys were into other girls but the boys that really were into me were not boys they were grown men and like Uh. but also people also thought my siblings were my children Oh, like I had, I'm, I'm the oldest of three and my sister's four years younger than me. And my brother is eight years younger than me. And I was five, seven, uh, with a 36 C and yeah, <laughs> with, with two children with you, it ages you even more. And, and yeah, I got, I got that when I was babysitting for other people's kids. Mm-hmm. Cause I had no, si- well, no siblings that I knew of. I had, turns out I had siblings, but didn't find out until a few years ago. Uh, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but, um, I remember like babysitting for kids and I take them to the park and I had like huge, you know, I was like double D, you know, like I went from no tits in seventh grade to like eighth grade, like double D. And I was like, what the hell? And I was really curvy. Like I had the butt in the, you know, and I, that's when I was like starting to experiment with little makeup and da da da. And I would get that all the time. They'd be like, oh, your daughter. I'm like, what? I'm fucking in eighth grade, you know? And I remember seventh grade, uh, the summer. No, it might have been the summer I was going into seventh grade, but I, I there was a definite difference that summer when I got out some jean shorts and made them into cutoffs like I always did. And suddenly, like, I could not walk a block without three or four cars of guys like, hey, mama, you know, and I was like, what the fuck? And then and I, re- I remember distinctly, it was like this point in time that one summer it's just like someone flipped a switch and that just started happening all the fucking time and so i was like you know yelled at and cat called and everything on the street i was you know if i'm waiting at the bus stop inevitably there's going to be the guy coming to talk to me like giving me that look up and down being like so you got a boyfriend Mm -hmm. and you know and it's like are, are you kidding me or like the older men in my life that i just thought were like you're my my friend's dad's friend or you're the guy who owns the little grocery store down the street and I've known you since I was four. And all of a sudden they're, you know, making the wiggly eyebrows and propositioning me and, and I'm like, what? Oh. What? Uh. Like, excuse me? <laughs> yeah, it was just like, like my whole fucking world flipped upside down. But then it's like, it became normal. Right. Yeah. And and the weird thing is not it's like normal 
but not. Like, I remember my mom doing this thing where she would angrily tell me to go put on pants. And I'm like, okay, girl, like, you know, why are you mad about it? Just tell me to go put pants on. But it was like she was seeing things or she knew we were going to be around somebody or realizing, like, the shorts that I've always worn are now coochie cutters or whatever. And, like, she has a male friend coming over. And it was almost like she would get mad at me about it as if I was even aware of, like, what I was doing. Yeah. Like, like, I'm just wearing the same old little short shorts I've always worn every summer from the time I was six. And so well, I didn't realize now I got a camel toe. Like, yeah, little I think I felt like, oh, you're trying to protect me. But I think as an adult, I look back on that and I'm like, were you I feel like she was might have been jealous, like, je- like, ooh, like I'm like competition kind of like because it was anger. Oh. It wasn't like, hey, maybe you should go do this. It was like, you know expletive (laughs) you know go put some fucking pants on or don't be walking around the house looking like that with with a man here and it's like looking like what i'm wearing pajamas like i have on a nightgown that i wear all the time (laughs) like yeah gosh yeah i luckily i never got that from my mom you know she didn't really was your mom dating because i think it might have been because my mom was always dating so she always had different well My mom dated, but she didn't date. Like she had weird, fucked up relationships and she was, um, overweight her entire life. And it like really plagued her dating. Like she'd always be like, she was one of those persons like, I want to do this and that and this after I lose weight, Mm -hmm. you know? And then she'd say, you know, oh, this guy's cute or he's flirting with me, but I can't go out with a date on him because I'm fat. You know, or he, she'd be like, I went out to the bar and, you know, some guy was flirting with me, but, you know, that's creepy because he's just a chubby chaser and he's fetishizing me. That must be the only reason why he's talking to me. Oh, mama. And so she didn't date around, but she also had, like, at that time, her reoccurring second drunk husband, Frank. I don't know if you watched the show Shameless, but there's a drunk Frank who's like the main character. Yes. And that was both of my mother's ex-husbands were drunk Franks. And the second Frank, who she married when I was in eighth grade, that was like pretty much a staple my whole teenage years, looked like Frank from Shame. It's just, it's creepy. It's funny creepy. (laughs) And so it's like, you know, they got married for three seconds and then he drank beer and watched Bugs Bunny all day and they blasted Led Zeppelin all night and smoked pot and that didn't last very long, but he kept coming around. Like, even though they got divorced, he was always there. He always popped back up. So, yeah, I don't know. She was dating, but she wasn't dating, if that makes right. sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So I don't know where that went. But, <laughs> but yeah, she never did that to me. Like, I remember getting a couple very subtle, passive-aggressive comments from maybe, like, my friend's mom, mm-hmm. you know, or, but it was like, unless I was really perceptive, I wouldn't have even picked up on it. I was like, oh, is she making like a backhanded comment about the way I'm, dry? you know, like, it, it was so subtle. I'm like, did I just imagine or does that really happen? Mm-hmm. It was those like couple little subtle things. And I don't know, my grandfather, who was kind of like my father, uh, he lived upstairs, like we were a really close family who lived in like a 12 flat together. And um, 
he never wanted me to have a boyfriend. Mm. So he'd be like, don't like when I got my ears pierced at 12, he flipped the fuck out. He's like, great. Now she's going to come home pregnant and she's with tattoos. And, <laughs> and I was like, I just pierced my ear. It's like, <laughs> what are we freaking out? But he was one of those guys who he was kind of a horrible man himself. So it was like, I know horrible men because I've been a horrible man. Kind of, you know? <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> like he, he was the, co- okay. Speaking of older men right here, he was the college professor who was very good looking and was a great, like he was an amazing speaker. Like people would take his classes just to listen. It was like a show. Like he was really good at what he did. And he was really hot and he smoked a pipe and he had the patches on the elbows of his blazer. And, you know, you would call him professor. And then he'd fuck all of his students. Like they were all competing for him. And I don't like I've heard rumors about his sex life that it was very robust. I heard from a family member. I won't say who I won't vote who this was, but it was like a random conversation that was like, by the way, we were in like the shower together, or you know, changing or something. And your grandfather had the biggest penis I've ever seen. And I was like, you know, But I'm sure like he was like, yeah, I got a big dick, you know, and during like the the 60s and even the 50s, like he was doing some like swinger stuff like we found some pictures. Yeah. So he had some shit that was going on. Mm -hmm. And I think by the time I got that age and, you know, he was close to 70 at that time, he was just like, stay away from anyone with a penis. They are horrible. And, you know, and it. And even my mother, it came to the point where we hid our boyfriends from him. When she married Frank, the second Frank, he actually had Frank investigated by a private investigator, like cheapest man in the world, wouldn't even fucking spend money on like cottage cheese. It was like, <laughs> I'm hiring a private investigator. <laughs> like, we're like, what? Like, <laughs> he had the same pill. One day we're like, for Christmas, we're like, grandfather um we're gonna get you some nice new fluffy pillows because your pillows are really fucking sad and he's like i've had those pillows since 1963 i slept in the trenches in world war ii don't be frivolous don't be frivolous. <laughs> like oh my god oh. um but yeah and so he was like you know he would be like do you have a boyfriend and i always be like no and we just started lying to him and we snuck around behind his back even my mother hid her boyfriends from him like frank usually um and there were a couple other guys here and there like throughout the years and so when i go to prom and i go to junior prom who are you going oh he's just a friend he's just a friend and then uh you get to college you know and he sees my other friends have boyfriends and and he, he'd trap me. He'd be like, do you have a boyfriend? And then if I'd start to be like, well, there's some boys in there. And then he'd be like, freak out. You know, like, oh, my God, she's going to get pregnant. Oh, my God. So I was like, okay. Then I just learned, like, nope, not interested. No. Oh, like, penis. Like, yuck. Nope. No boy. Nope. And then, and then he'd call my mother up and he'd be like, oh, my God, I think she's a lesbian. And I'm like, I cannot fucking win, man. <laughs> Uh, 
Oh God! So yeah, I don't know where the, where this is all going, no, but he was one of those other guys who dated his fucking students and married them too. But this two, no, three students. But this is what like it's. This is exactly where this is going. The thing is, is that this is why why we have so many people, or and I'm gonna say it's mostly men that I've seen so far. I have seen some apologist women, but I think from the male perspective. This is why they're getting, they're so like, it's not a big deal because this is them. They're doing this. Yeah. I, I've been thinking about all the male friends like that I grew up with and people around. Like I have male friends who back in the day would say shit like, if grass on the field, it's time to play and laugh about it. Oh. And I used to just go like, oh, that's not funny guys. But like they meant it. It was like, you got yeah. pubes, you can fuck. And like, what? Like, you know. And it was like, ha, 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 because I was younger and, like, would just kind of roll my eyes. But that was a mentality, and that is a mentality. And I'm, I haven't had this conversation with them yet, but I've been wondering that shit because they have kids now. They have daughters now. Yeah. So it's like, do you still yeah. fucking think that way? Like, and realize, like. And maybe, though, that's what makes them so overprotective. Right. Well, because they know. They know about the bullshit. Yeah. But then at the same tone, it's like, I feel like a lot of these people out here with kids like go oh man like i feel because i have a daughter now but it's like you only care about your daughter because if the right kind of 15 year old and i say right kind like somebody who didn't look 15 and all this hit on you and you you like you're telling me you would be like shame on you young lady go be about yourself i am a married man no no no, your you frontal wouldn't. lobe is not developed. Get away from my right. penis. That, but that's me. I am so turned off by people that are way young. Like my, it was a joke for a while. But if you were um, the same age as my younger sister, I would not date you. But now my sister is like thirty four. She's like thirty three, thirty four. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> like maybe I need to make some exceptions because. The dating pool. Yeah, I'm 37. Yeah. But when she was like in her, tw- I was like, uh-uh. If you are younger than my sister, no, get out of my face. Like you, you I yeah. can't do this with you. And I still feel like that. Like I, people that are 25, I'm like, mm, I'll talk to you. Yeah. Maybe I have to stop being so ageist. And then I talk to them and I'm like, this is why I have this rule. And so I don't even yeah. see the appeal. Like I don't, I don't ever. Oh, I never can. I don't look at young bodies and go like, mm. like, I just no. I don't want it. It yeah. doesn't make yeah. me hot. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about them in that way. Um, I remember back in the day, like the countdown clock that was on like Lindsay Lohan, Britney Spears, Jessica Simpson. Oh, God. Remember? I forgot about that. They used that. to put that yeah. in magazines, like countdown to 18. So you can fuck her. Right. Or like till it's okay for you to have lustful thoughts that you're already having. Right. But then you can still feel or bad so, about No, it. not even that it's okay for you to have lustful thoughts. It's okay for you to talk about the lustful thoughts that you've been having for the last fucking three right. years. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it becomes this thing. And you know, yeah. I, like part of what I've been seeing on social media, like there was... um 
you know, people are, are, you know, it's either like, okay, we're talking about R. Kelly, and there's a whole set of circumstances with, with R. Kelly, like people completely ignoring, you know, his victims, black women, and you know, that there's a whole other cultural thing going on there. But like, in general, I, I posted the dude from um, the Fast and the Furious that died in the car with Paul. So uh, I don't even know. I've yeah. seen, mm-hmm. you know who I'm talking about. Um that his girlfriend they started dating when they were 16 and it was basically this article that said okay look at the guy from the fast and the furious and then look at jared from subway right and you know how are they that different yes jared did have like child pornography on his computer so that's a whole nother thing but when it comes down to it they were both fucking 16 year olds Mm -hmm. And like, why was it like, oh, so cool and everything for the one guy, but, you know, and they're like, well, the one guy's good looking and successful and this and that. And then the other one's like flumpy Jared. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And the child pornography on the computer didn't help. But it was basically this article was just kind of highlighting the societal problem. And then, you know, it talked about like, oh, the guys from from uh, Led Zeppelin and, you know, David Bowie and Elvis and like all these people that it. You know, and it's like, why are you vilifying these? You know, especially like the Paul, whatever guy from Fast. He's dead. He can't defend himself. And it's like, to me at least, the way I look at it, I'm not talking about this to like vilify this person or that person or whatever person we're using for an example. Like, in some ways, especially the people with, you know, like Led Zeppelin in the early '70s and late '60s and Elvis and shit. That shit was societally normal. Mm-hmm. I I actually don't expect men to think that was wrong at all. Like, I'm not going to look at them through today's lens and be like, you horrible person, you should have known. Because every other fucking person was doing it, too. It was societally acceptable and encouraged and normal. I'm not saying it was right, but I understand what led them there, yeah. you know, and why they didn't think it was wrong. Um, it's also that, and like, I, and this, could, then it turns into like a historical lesson. Um, as time goes, like people used to die sooner, right? So people got married yeah. at a much younger age, especially women, because you right. needed to start bearing children as soon as possible because you were going to die. You're probably going to die in your like mid twenties. So people were getting married at 13, 14. This is like middle ages and shit. And so even into like the twenties, people were still getting married fairly young. Um, People mm-hmm. who had money usually were older people and they wanted to like keep their whole, you know, thing going. So they married younger women and it was okay because everybody's like, you're dying anyway. Like people are dying when they're 40, you know, like right. 40, right. 50. Die early starter. Yeah, yeah. Like 50 I was mean, 100 even back, back when, then. When my grandparents who they were, you know, they were born in the 20s mm-hmm. and they met in high school like my grandfather was four years so he was a senior when she was a freshman so yeah i mean maybe in high school they weren't but once he got to college and she was still dating him it was the same sort of thing but you know the life expectancy that they had i want to say it wasn't even 70 and this is just you know two generations ago people that were in my life like things have changed rapidly only over you know the course of a few decades Mm -hmm. yes most definitely. And it, and so those are some of the things I take into consideration too. Cause I'm like, you know, back in the day, if you were five years old, you worked in a fucking factory. 
Today, we would never put a five-year-old in the factory, and we understand how awful that was. But we also, like, you're not going to be like, oh, man, you know, back then they were – it's like, no, those were the times. Like, that was the thing. I get it. It was still awful. I thought of something. (laughs) Yeah. I just thought of something, too, you know, back, like, in the 50s, 60s, 70s even, Mm -hmm. when women – didn't work outside the home. You know, it was, wasn't until 1974 that women could even have credit cards in their name. So you, you had know what to I mean? marry because you-, you relied, right? You relied yeah. heavily on your husband's financial status. And if you married somebody, you know, if you came out of high school, 18 years old, and you married a man who was 24 that had already established himself financially or was done with college and was able to buy a home right away. Mm-hmm. That was something you did for your own survival. So it made sense as a high school girl to find an older man and and there was a benefit there. And it's why parents supported it because back in the 50s, 60s, and even early 70s, a girl graduated from high school that didn't go to college necessarily. Like even in the 70s, that was just, I think like 60s, 70s, women going to like secondary education, like post high school was starting to be a real thing. But like in the 50s, you definitely lived with your parents and maybe you learned a trade that was like secretarial or nursing school. Or if you went to college, it was like to meet boys to find someone to marry. Right. And and your parents, (laughs) or you worked like a menial job, but you lived with your parents. Your parents helped support you. You might have been working, depending on your parental, like everybody's work situation. So like if you're, if you were in a poorer family, you probably did have a job. But if you weren't, if you were like upper middle class and up, you didn't have a job. You learned how to be a lady. Like you learned how to be a woman and home and and like housekeeping and homekeeping. And they wanted you to be married like super fucking early so they could get you out of their house. That was a thing. Or if you wanted to get out of the house, like you said, you couldn't even have a credit card. Like you couldn't do those things without being married. So that was like freedom from family was marriage. So that's why a lot of young women did get married to people who were 23, 24, because 23, 24 for a man meant probably graduating or graduated from college on his way to having a job like that's well, you know, well to do. Or like if he was in the service, you know, he's on his way to like putting being in a certain area of like being able to support a family. Like we don't think about those things that aren't necessary now. And that the mindset has to change. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this was born out of necessity but it also became a cultural part of the way people think about sexuality, especially when it comes to older men and younger mm-hmm. women. You know, I don't know if then, you know, it kind of societally conditioned older men to be like, yeah, younger women are fine. Yeah, younger women are hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When are they ready? Yeah. You know, because probably when they're younger too, if you think about like, Women who are groomed to be housewives who don't really have much other choice, you're going to be a hell of a lot more eager to please your husband and do what you think he wants you to do when your frontal lobe is far from being cooked. (laughs) Right. By the time your frontal lobe cooks, you're like, look, bitch, make your own fucking dinner. You know, who wants that? If you're if you're the man of the 50s. And you want a nice, obedient housewife at home that's going to have your dinner ready. You want someone who's going to comply and be meek and gentle and shy and, you know, all those things. 
and be ultra feminine because if you're a woman raised in that sort of environment, you're trained to be like, you know, get lipstick and learn how to wear high heels and be very feminine and be, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're still carrying that cultural stuff with us when we don't fucking need to. Right. And now it's just turned into a fucking mess. And now we have our Kelly. So there. There you go. Thanks, 50s. (laughs) (laughs) Greatest generation, my ass. (laughs) Lola and Sonny solved the problems of the world (laughs) in 57 minutes. (laughs) This is such a thing. That was actually good. It was. We did a really good job. Yeah, and it made me I don't know. I think I've ha- I've been having pent up thoughts about this even though I think I'm pretty like I have some pr- pretty together thoughts and you know, I'm you know, this is part of our job. We're very well versed in these sorts of things, but I think just like talking it out with another person gave me just a little tiny bit different perspective and made me like the whole like 50s thing like I'm like, "Oh, yeah, I didn't really like let that really stew in my brain." And so we just talked right now. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Because it's a lot. It's a lot. It's like there's the first layer of this is wrong. I don't care what you say. It is wrong for a man, for an adult man to be dating teen girls. If teen is in their age, it's wrong. And let alone – and then you go the deeper route of the sex tapes and the coercion and the sex cult type shit he's doing. And then, like, it makes me angry that he's using using kink as a weapon to control oh. people. And, like, so now that's a whole thing. I was watching some of the documentary because I've been having to watch it in pieces because I just get really overwhelmed and it's so triggering that I'm like, okay, I can't do this. But, like, there was a whole piece where she was talking about, like, he demanded to be called daddy in the bedroom. And then it became he needed to be daddy all the time. And it's like, that's a dynamic I quite enjoy, but now, like, it's being equated with this really awful fucking person who was forcing that kind of thing on people who didn't understand it, who didn't want it, but were doing it because they felt like it was something they had to do to please him. And it's like, oh, thank you for fucking setting us back and making us having to work harder to make people understand that it's not a bad thing inherently, but that sometimes people wield it in really shitty ways. Like they do everything Mm -hmm. else. And I think that's been part of my upset too with this is that there's so much to unpack because it's like, Oh yeah, yes, he's awful. Yes. And then there's so many layers to the awfulness because it's not just, it's not just about him having sex or getting head from underage girls. It's like, he's been running like a sex cult. Yeah, it's a whole power, a whole power thing. thing. Like, like he's been taking multi-layered. Like they're not going home and getting to see their families. Like it's not like they're his girlfriend and, you know, they go home and sometimes they have dates and, you know, like people just don't understand their love. It's they never see their fucking parents again. And he's making them have sex with each other and him and taping it and, you know, doing all these things. And it, it's a lot yeah. behind it. That's not just like, or the fact that a lot of people don't understand, you know, kind of like the Stockholm syndrome thing when you're in an abusive relationship like that, especially if you're young and imp- again, we're coming to the young and impressionable and really eager trying to please, you know, the person that you love or think you love. Um, my brain just had a stroke. What, what was I even talking about? 
talking about. Like, like my brain just you totally were, blinked <gasps> out. You were saying like, uh, oh my god, the Stockholm syndrome, like how those people. It's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They get roped into it. Yeah, and it's like that is a huge, and that's something our society doesn't understand because if you look at like nine times out of ten, people are like. Well, you were in an abusive relationship. Well, why the fuck did you say? Why didn't you leave? And it's like the fact that you're saying that shows me you don't understand the dynamics of abuse. Like that is like 101 level shit you need to understand. And if the average person doesn't understand that, they're not going to understand what happened in this situation. They're not. Like I was reading an uh, article. I don't remember about what exactly. <laughs> what like why this was in the article but it they mentioned elizabeth smart and her situation oh, yeah. and how um she was like she would go to the grocery store she she did a lot of things without those people around her and it took her forever before she reached out to get help but there were plenty of situations where she would like be at the grocery store alone and never signal anyone and never tell anyone. And I, and like, was she the one who fathered child, um, had children by her captors or is there somebody, I can't remember. they were talking about, I don't think so. So they were talking about women in general. Oh, I'm, you know, it's a yeah. book I'm reading about. It's the, the true story of Lolita, like the true crime that, what, that people say Lolita was based on. So they're, they're examining. Oh, okay girls being in captivity, like being captured and how, even though they're not in actual bonds, like chains and tied up, the mental thing that happens to someone in captivity that becomes like a type of survival. And it's not even like Stockholm, like it's not even that they want to protect the people. It's like, they know part of their survival is that they have to go along with the story. And that's also how they get through the massive amount of daily trauma that they're going through. And it was so interesting because it was like, I never knew that. I didn't know that this, yeah. you know, that she was like out shopping and, and, and doing things. I thought it was like, she's a trapped in the basement kind of situation. And I'm like, that's how fucked this shit is that you can be like in a target and then go back and get in the car with people who kidnapped you because they, yeah. they just got you yeah. so fucked up. And it's like, if we can understand that, why can't we understand this shit with R. Kelly? Is it because it's sexual? Because it's overtly sexual. People's heads explode when you put sex into anything. They're like, sex! Like it all, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think it's also the thing that he's a sex symbolish type of man. Like I, Elizabeth Smart's capture, captors were like, what, like a hippie white couple? They were like old, dirty hippie looking. Like gnarly. Yeah. Like that was, oh, those horrible people. But what if it was like a hot man that looked like Brad Pitt? Yeah. Like, I wonder what people's yeah. responses, how, how would her story have come out differently? How would it have fallen out differently if these people didn't look like they came from the hill has eyes? Like, if they didn't look, you know, <laughs> because th I wonder, like, if R. Kelly looked more like Jared, would we be right? even having this conversation? Would we have to fight? for this and i don't think we would because they'd be like oh man they would have they were tortured by this unattractive fellow <laughs> like yeah. you know like yeah but because he's hot it's like well he's hot and he's got money and they're they're there on their own and you know like why would you do this if you didn't want to be there right i think that like people want to you know it, it boils down to like being a likable person mm -hmm. like i think about my second ex who was like 
horrifically abusive. Like I felt like I was kept captive, even though I went to work every day. I went out to the grocery store. Like from the outside, I was looking like I was living a normal life, but it was so fucked up. Like it was so fucked up. But he was relatively good looking smart Mm -hmm. he came off as very charismatic you know how they say like the sociopath is very charismatic or you know the narcissist is very charismatic and they get everybody to like them and he he had like the kind of con man sort you know how you would think like and everyone's just like he's the nicest guy Mm -hmm. and then it, it was like crazy making for me because it's like in my head i'm screaming like you don't know what happens behind closed doors but the more that people are like, oh, my God, he's so great. You picked a great guy. And oh, my God, he's so nice. <laughs> I just like got deeper and deeper of like, why even bother? No one's ever going to believe me. And when I finally broke up with him, my uncle, actually, like he loved him. And, you know, because like holidays, he would put on the show and he would make the turkey and he would be like, can I get you another drink? And oh, let's sit and have a cigar and talk man things. And he was like everything, you know, like he knew how to how to play people. And like my uncle was just like, you broke up. Why? He was so nice. And I was like, you cannot be doing this to me right now. And eventually, like, it took probably two years of me going, no, you don't understand. This happened. That happened. And, like, he doesn't even know the half of it. But because, like, he's my older uncle and he can't handle all that. But, you know, it's like, no, this happened. That happened. This happened. That Like, a lot of the financial abuse stuff, Mm -hmm. you know. And eventually, now he's like, what a fucking con man. I can't believe it. But it took me of like two years of wearing down my uncle to be like, no, this shit was fucked up. Like you have to believe me. And it was that hard to do after I was done with the relationship. Mm-hmm. When you're in a relationship with somebody and everyone's like, Oh, just when somebody's good looking like that gets you so many bonus points of like, Oh, you're good looking. So that means you must be nice. You must be together. You must be this, you must, you know, and being the person that abusive situation, having to convince all of the other people that think this person is hot shit because they're good looking and they seem, you know, successful or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's impossible. Or at least it feels that way. Yeah, well, it's it's always hard to, if somebody is really invested in how amazing someone is, it takes a lot to get them to come around unless they have proof. And I think that just goes back to like, people are always going to be not be on board for something unless it's happening to them. People's empathy, levels of empathy are fucking atrocious. The, like, I don't think a lot of people have even like mid levels of empathy. It's really hard for a lot of people to stop and go, Hmm, wow, that had to be awful. Like, I can't believe like this happened to you or, you know, my levels, I hate people all the time just because somebody tells me about a bad situation. (laughs) It's true. Like I give their people that I know collectively might've heard like many bad stories and I, it takes a lot for me to like give them a chance. And, and, and I've had to learn like, 
there are some people who the stuff I've heard is like, you'll never get a chance because it was like that level of, um, it was either violent or just fuckery where I'm like, uh, uh-uh, uh, you will never get a chance. And then there's shit where you're like, okay, I don't know them. I'm hearing this from this person and I know like, I'm sad this happened for them, but also like, I realized that like, our interactions with people can be a person to person thing. I'm going to keep a big yeah. eye on them, but I'm going to watch them. And sometimes I'm right. like, mm, yep, nope, you still get written off. And then sometimes I've been surprised and it's like, okay, so maybe you're not a full on asshole. You, this was just like some bad relationship stuff that you situational had assholery. Right. Yeah. But I think when we, when you tell somebody like they were, abusive and people's response is like oh no or oh not that person i think that kills me the most yeah because i'm like all oh, that sad because like i'm i'm sad that you went through that and i'm sad that i've been thinking they were a good person but not like yeah all oh, that sad like i'm just i'm i'm sad that you you two aren't going to be together again but i really like them it's like no <laughs> do, right do you want me to kill them for you like that's <laughs> that's where i go <laughs> yeah Ugh. god fucking human relationships in general is are fucking so complicated so very much yeah well maybe we did a, a little part of helping figure them out you know what i realized too when we started talking usually what i do for all the people listening uh, I do a little intro, like, hi, this is our bonus episode. I totally didn't do that. So we can do that as our outro. Okay. <laughs> what do you think? Okay. Hi, everyone who's been listening like a fly on the wall, like, wow, this is some heavy shit. Come out of it now. Yeah, shake your hands. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> take a deep breath with me. <sighs> Let out that R-Kelliness. Okay. All right. So... <laughs> Shake it up. Put it in a bubble and push it away. All right. So just like that dick that's always in your face. Like those dick dicks that are in your inbox. Just put it in a bubble and push it away. Push it away. Uh, hi, everyone. American fuckers. Uh, namely, the specialist American fuckers, which is not a word. The most special American fuckers that are our Patreon members. This has been another bonus episode. Patreon only. Our shoot the shit where we sit down with uh, a person and we just talk about whatever the fuck comes to mind and well you know how this went because you heard it already and this is this is lola so why don't we introduce you lola who the Hi, fuck are you it's me lola <laughs> i've done two so, episodes of american yeah. sex podcast two and now like three and now three three what's well, the secret it's episode. like three three and a secret like two and a secret one i don't know what it like what that would be it's like a blowjob with a thumb in the ass. Your, I don't know what I'm it your is. Private but dancer, dancing for money. <laughs> oh, I am. I'm, I'm your, your private dancer, dancer, dancing for money. Do what you want me to do. Okay. You're our <laughs> private bonus guest. Your bonus guest for money. Cause people on Patreon pay money to listen to this. Okay. We did it. <laughs> Okay, but we should look at the post that went we along. Seeing Tina Turner and for people <laughs> in Tina Turner voice. Oh okay, get it, get it together. 
Yeah. Woo. Put it above and push it away. Shake it out. <sighs> um, so yeah, Lola, I read the bonus or the, uh, not bonus, whatever, the text thing, the post that went with this. I'll put Lola's bio in there and I'll dig up a cute picture. I think there's a picture of you and I somewhere yeah. that I can dig up and, and put up there. But, um, our shoot the shit episodes. Hopefully, fingers crossed, I'm at the point where I'm doing at least two a month. Ooh. And ho- I'm hoping to get that to four once I get my shit together and get into Vegas. So stick with me. And um, so, Lola, you don't have a Patreon, though, right? Not yet. Soon. Okay. Not yet. Okay. So listen, here's what's going to happen. So I am going to just very lightly edit this. Probably the part where we're like, can you hear me? Can yeah. you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I yeah. can't hear you. You're fuzzy. You, listeners, you won't hear that. I'll take that out. And then I'll edit it and I'll give a, a copy to you, Lola. So if when you do get a Patreon, if you want to put this on for your Patreon members, you can do so as well. So if you're people in the future that are Lola's Patreon members, uh, come visit me. I'm at... I'm Sunny Megatron, by the way, from American Sex Podcast. <laughs> Should have said that. Uh, Patreon.com slash American Sex. And Lola doesn't have a Patreon address yet, right? No, not yet. You don't yet. know what it's going to be. Nope. All right. So just look out. When when Lola has a Patreon, I will make a post and I will tell you all what her Patreon is. Anything else that you want them to know before we go? No, just that we love you. Yeah, we do love you. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out with us. And and decompressing with us because even though we didn't really get to talk to you, you got to hear us talking and hopefully you feel is kind of refreshed and like, I don't know, mentally. I just feel like I had a mental like, <gasps> I feel better now. So thank you, Lola. You're welcome. And thank you. We got it all out. All righty. Yeah. Yay. Ooh. All right. Bye, American fuckers. Bye. Patreon.com/slash/AmericanSex. Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag PsyChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.